Escura Podcast, Gore Rosenberg, cracking in on another gorgeous night here in the studio of the Art Factory. As we said, we're just all, you know, the spontaneity of life is what we, lo- what we love to capture. And I'm honored and blessed to be here with the man, the legend, the hero, DJ Chef Fred. It's a pleasure, my friend. Can we toast? Toast. Enjoy your presence music. here. Thank you, Squirrel Rosenberg. Mm. Pleasure. DJ Chef Fred, the, and I don't want to say infamous, I want to say the famous DJ Chef Fred. The one and only. The one and only. Could you, could you share a little bit of who you are so my audience who really don't know who you are can find out exactly who you are? I am uh, Chef Frederick Henry Nesbitt III, DJ Chef Fred. San Francisco, California. That's a powerful name. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've been blessed to uh, work with some pretty uh, amazing uh, people that are influential that helped me be able to accelerate my work. And I became one of the top uh, cannabis chefs in the globe to, you know, educate. Uh, draft laws with different pre- uh, prime ministers of countries, you know, t- 6,000 miles away from my home. And oh, wow. Just two amazing, amazing things to help not only uh, my own community where I built my base, but also internationally and uh, domestically around uh, the United States and Canada and Mexico. Well, that's what yeah. we want to do here on the podcast tonight. I want to dig into the ingredients. Those little spices of life that have made you who you are right now such a major influencer and when i got to connect with you initially and we were talking over the phone i wanted to end the phone call like two minutes into the call because (laughs) i wanted to capture all of that here because your your energy is so authentically rich my friend thank you man mazel tov on that thank you sir dj chef fred yeah it's all about frequency thank you thank you Thank you. Thank you. You know, when you say something profound on the podcast, it's called dropping a jewel. You just <laughs> dropped a jewel right now. It's all about frequency. Cheers. Bong. It Thank really you. Is, <laughs> you know, before we jump into your story, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Heineken. You know, at SQR Podcast, not only do we speak responsibly, but we drink responsibly. And Bong, Heineken, the only beer to drink. You know, here we stay Corona free. That's why we drink Heineken's. You know, I got a great story about Heineken's, okay? I had a girl that I dated when I was 15, and we would go into North Beach, San Francisco, yeah. in the little Italian district right there, and uh, we would go into a spot and get these uh, uh, lattes, right? And she was all like, you know, we were all modded out, looking like Robert Smith, and all crazy <laughs> looking back then. Yeah. And uh, we would go and peel the, the old labels off of them. Because when they would sit in a in a chilled in the sweat, you could pull the labels off. Yeah, yeah. And it had like a specific, uh, special meaning, you know, like oh, you wow. got to have a great date. That's a classic moment. Yeah. So I've always loved Heineken's. So cheers to you for being able to bring me uh, one of my best days. Mazel tov. SQR Podcast. Boy, Squirrel Rosenberg is about to crack open this egg disguised <laughs> as DJ Chef Fred. Fred, um, so the name you were given was Frederick Henry Nesbitt the Third. Frederick yeah. Henry Nesbitt the yeah. Third. Yes, sir. You sound like you are a knight back yeah. in the other in the, in the past mm-hmm. life, but we're mm-hmm. gonna get to that. DJ Fred, <laughs> Frederick Nesbitt the Third. Let's go back to the beginning. I'm very fascinated. What was your background like when you were born? What was family makeup like when you came into the world? What was that? My dad was a a record producer. 
Okay. And uh, he bought a house and he married the girl that lived across the street from him from there. He was from Detroit. He's a Detroit uh, doo-wop singer. Oh, nice. What's yeah, his name? Fred Fox. <laughs> yeah, he goes by Grateful Fred now because he nice. started managing this uh, Grateful Dead cover band, so he started being Grateful Fred. So I was like, okay. all right, whatever. Cool, Fred cool. Fox, huh? Yeah, but he was a doo-wop singer. Yeah. And he traveled in the Navy, and he started off in Detroit in the fire pit singing doo-wop to do Like just, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and he had a really good high note, and he he would just like really carry all the bass guys and, and be able to um, he had a great time in the Navy Wow! so he wrote a book uh, a memogram for uh, Vietnam okay right? so it talks about his story starting off in Detroit and building all that so cool. when you when you so that that that's dad's background what was mom like mom was uh, Spanish and uh, Italian. Okay. So my grandfather came from Madrid. He was one of uh, eight kids that survived coming over and survived the plague. So he was the one that was born on the boat getting breast milk. And uh, so he actually lived. So that was pretty cool. So then he moved to like Sacramento, Lancaster somehow after he got. Oh, we're talking the about United the Black States. Plague. Yeah, way back. 1812, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think he was born in 1812 or 11 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, or 13. Yeah. So he survived He's, because he was born, he was on, born the boat. on the boat getting breast milk. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So, pa, like, Grandpa. Look yeah. at the shoulders you're standing on, my dude. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. born into the into this world, mom's. By the way, mom sounded like she was beautiful. Yeah, she was great. She passed away in uh, 2020 in March, unfortunately. What's mom's but, name? Uh, Victoria. Can we toast to Victoria? Oh, please, thank you. Yeah. You know, salute, like, salute. Make me cry. You know, she was my such an influence and an inspiration, just like my pop. You know, back no. to going. Pop was a music uh, producer, and my bed was underneath. The crib was all chopped down low. It was underneath the recording console. So oh. he'd be recording all, like, um, uh, Neil Young from uh, from Journey. Yeah, so before yeah. they were Journey, they all grew up on the peninsula in San Francisco. There's a lot of musicians that he actually gave their first recordings to and then he worked with Stu Blank and recorded oh, like wow. a lot of really cool so uh, you're sleeping underneath the I'm console sleeping underneath the console and then we started I started pulling stuff out when I was <laughs> you know and he was like right, let's get, out of, get him out of here let's go in the house so they kicked out the tenants that they had to pay in the yeah, mortgage on the house yeah. while they lived in the studio right so, wow so yeah, creative brothers yeah. sisters any brothers or sisters I have a sister Tracy uh, Tracy Nesbitt she's the youngest or old she's the youngest yeah, oh yeah. wow! She's like three years, three years younger. Nice. So yeah. you come in and my dude, I can only imagine you sound like this this kid that's <laughs> having fun right off the bat. Off what the was, bat, right off the bat. What yeah. was what was um, as you're growing up in that dynamic? Um, what was like middle school, high school? What was that dynamic like? Well, so I'm. We moved from where I was born in San Mateo to Half Moon Bay. Okay. So it went from like. You know, Peninsula, San Francisco yeah. suburbs to on the beach, farm, 4-H, baseball and soccer and just, you know, a real nice. uh, way suburb yeah, yeah. on the coast of California kind of thing. And How was that uh, adjustment? 
it was great. Yeah, it was cool, man. I got a dirt bike and, you know, cruising around. Got a horse and, you know, it was fun. And, yeah. yeah. Learned how to do a saddle. And, oh, wow. Know, yeah, it started all that. It was fun. Nice. You know, so then I moved into South San Francisco. My my dad had an electrical company, too. So uh, he built all these discos, like, back in, like, 79, 81. Mm-hmm. I'm 50 now. So... Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of problems that happened, like in the early '80s during that whole. Uh, I don't know. Was it? Was it? Was it? Did you realize, looking back retrospectively, did you realize that it was um, an interesting time that allowed you to adjust, or? Yeah. So then, from riding my horse, I moved into an area where I had to like save my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it was way inner city. I was like, wait, this is way lit. Yeah, but, yeah. but it was fun. You know, so there was a lot of musicians. One of my best friends was in a band called Death Angel, Andy Gallion. Oh, wow. So I grew up with Death Angel and, you know, Demented, DRI, DOA. There was a lot of bands. How old are I, you at this time? Uh, 12. And I was already going to shows. As soon as I moved to South San Francisco, I had to be with my boys. You know, we were all like music and art. And, you know, by the time I was 15, I looked like Robert Smith. Wow. Yeah, you know, so, so it, was, was, it was great. So are you telling me, because in, 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 it sounded like either you were completely rebellious against conforming to the norm or mom and dad completely supported that freedom or that openness? Both. Okay, so like I play baseball, uh, had a mohawk at this point. Okay, it was like 1986 or something when I was a freshman. Yeah, and I've always been a all-star athlete in baseball. The coaches all look, you can't have a mohawk. I was like, dude, I hit home runs. I'm a third baseman and a catcher. What do you mean? How were the grades? P's, C's. D's, F's, depending on how much I partied that month. Because I always partied since I was like 11. Because I moved from riding a horse to... This inner city. It, like the parents worked and the kids ran neighborhoods. For real. It was like blue collars it got. You know, we were all sort of good kids. You yeah, know, like yeah. our, our parents were cool. They cared, and you know, but we ran that. Wow. It, it, was, it was an interesting place to be. Could you share a little <laughs> bit, since you are such a yeah. connoisseur now of sure. cannabis and, yeah. you know, the, the potential and the, the inter, intermingling? Yeah, salute, my dude. Heineken, I'm telling you, my first beautiful date. With a Heineken. What's Heineken, dude? And we pulled the label off. And I think in my collection of life stuff, I have the note that she wrote about how much she cared about me on that label. Special moment. From a, a Heineken. Classic so moment. sorry, Mr. Heineken. But yeah, yeah you classic really moment being cool captured here about, with Heineken. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> and that's why I'm so fortunate to have them as a sponsor. You know, I don't mean to be all over the place. but I, I can, wish I could make this up, but it's not. <laughs> no, no. So look, that was, that was amazing. And it's one of the things I love having them as a sponsor because the high-quality product complements a high-quality experience, which is what so you just shared. So when I look at this label, I get sad because I can't take it off on a date and get a love letter. DJ Fred Chef, aka <laughs> the Romance King. No, no for so I, sure. I wanted to continue. Yeah. You know what? Before we do this, let's, let's take a quick break. Let's come back, cool. and I want to pick up from and how you got open to cannabis. Sure. 
and now how we transition to now where you're so rich with knowledge and the potential of cannabis not only you know in many ways we can ingest it but especially with your culinary experience so sqr podcast Cole rosenberg here with dj fred the chef sure and i want to you know i want to i want to i want to kind of master fred nesbitt the third what's the middle name h it could be henry could be you don't know no well there's a bunch there's other i should be the fourth but uh because i'm h i'm the third bong we'll be right back score rosenberg <laughs> one <laughs> I'm DJ Chef Fred. Welcome to the Dish of the Week. SQR Podcast, Core Rosenberg, rocking in with DJ Chef Fred. Fred Nesbet the Third. Such a powerful name. Thank you, Squirrel Rosenberg. I love saying your name, just so nice and mellow. It's just like No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. This is the best, best podcast I've been to and probably all the ones I've gone to. The ambiance, the energy, back to the frequencies. Yeah, the yeah, and bong. Then, you know, like yo. No, no, I appreciate is, that. No, I appreciate so that. I really do. And know, I'm so like, glad I'm running audio when you know we're adjusting cameras behind the scenes because I catch all that rich stuff. So we're gonna get to the meaning of DJ behind DJ Chef Fred. Well, let's just walk through um, your 15, your, your 12 to 15. So that's sort of, okay, right there is where I started to get my culinary experience. So my, my grandma had a place called The Lunch Company. So she would go in, she would be hard to get up with arthritis. So I would take the bus from where I lived about like nine miles down at like five in the morning before I started school, slice all the meat. That's where I started, you know, as fast as I could slice the meat. Why then would you I would do go, that? Because she's old. Did mom and dad say, hey? No. Plus I got paid as an adult. Not at first, but no, as soon many, as I started to set her up yeah, so that she didn't 13, have to do anything. How many 13, 14-year-old kids are going to get up well, that? I started my entrepreneurship when I was like nine years old with like four lawnmowers. Mm. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, so like by the time I got to that, I had a skateboard. I already owned a car. They were trying to keep me out of it. You know, like I, I, I had kids in the neighborhood working. Can I ask you this question? Like, <laughs> What do you think or who was it that gave you that spark or created that entrepreneurship spark from back then? Was it something you saw? Can you go back and just, and if there's You if, want the honest truth, brother? Yeah, please. Okay. My dad's never given up. He's an entrepreneur. He's done a lot of different things, right? Mm. Some semi-successful, but it's always taught me to always give and mm. to do what I want to do and never be what someone else wanted me to be. Major jewel so, right but there. But there's two. There's two Nesbids. So I, my other one is uh, Mr. Patrick Michael Nesbitt. Okay. That's my Uncle Pat. 
He's the largest owner of NBC Suites Hotels franchise in North America. He brought polo into the Olympics, Summer Olympics, by his team and what he's done, and he's very into donating. So you, to you are around these great minds, these yeah. great energies that don't give up, that continue to create. And so of like, course, you're cut from that cloth. Like so much that. I went to school at Santa Monica. My Uncle Pat gave me a really cool opportunity to go to school. You know, he gave me a little funding, a little pad. Boom, boom. Here's the code to our mansion. You can come down to Santa Barbara and, like, you know, you're with us. It was a cool opportunity to be able to chauffeur him from, you know, Santa Monica to Palm Springs, Indio, to the polo fields out in Indio where Coachella's held, right? Where he's the president of the golf club or the polo club. Wow. You know what I mean? So to then Santa Barbara, I would go down. I was in college, you know, I'm like 21 or two, three in that age right there. And I'm like, oh, let's let's go out down in Santa Barbara from Santa Monica and I'd drive down and you know we'd drink and have a great time but I wasn't driving all the way back to Santa Monica yeah. so we I would go and hit the code and just go sleep in the car up on the top well, I wake up and there's a Goodyear blimp floating around the pad and I'm all oh something lit's happening around the house what's going on <laughs> so then I go down I'm like ooh I can go get a, a vodka cranberry and an omelet right now. <clears throat> so, I mean, I got food and, you know, you were, a cocktail. You were, you were, you were I was on my up. own little thing. So, What's so funny is I, I go down to the table and I sit down. I order my drink and something. Oh, yes, Mr. Nesbitt. Da-da-da. So then they go up. And then the people that sat at my uncle's table started showing up. So Oprah Winfrey shows up. <laughs> Kevin Costner, Jack Nicholson from The Shining, okay? And then all of a sudden there's a little... What year was this? Uh, like 93 or two Ooh. or something like four. Oprah's right moving at this point. She just moved into Monticello, Monticello, uh, Santa Barbara yeah. on the hill. Yeah. She lives up the hill from him. So all of a sudden we're out there and every, all the guys are playing polo on the thing. And there's this carton. Like I'm just just picture this man with red hair that became the president of the United States with the the art of the deal books yeah, yeah. And, a, and a little red wagon that he took from downstairs. Yeah. Right. Instead of carrying a box and he steals the cart to go, <laughs> fucking guy. Anyways, uh, so he starts autographing him. So I'm sitting with Donald Trump. Oprah Winfrey, and out of all these individuals, okay, you can not only, like, they don't belong. It's like a Sesame Street thing, like, one of these kids is doing his own thing, like, <laughs> yo, and that's me, like, I don't even belong here, yo. Like, <laughs> I just came off from, like, partying off Isla Vista in yeah. Santa Barbara. You see Santa Barbara? Yeah. Oh, like, my God. Like, I want an omelet just and a cocktail. this random ta- table, not knowing what's going on, start eating, and then No, all... I know it's my uncle's table. I okay, can so go just, there. You... I got my food card thing, you know, oh, okay, like I'm okay. the spoiled kid, you right, know? Right, right, right. <laughs> Amazing. It's like a $70 million estate. How, you know did you mean? communicate with anybody at the table during that whole? Yeah, I got a book still. <laughs> Dude, I even Donald Trump signed. Chef Fred. I wasn't Chef Fred then. I was just, hey, Fred Nesbitt. That's who I was then. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Sorry, okay. I, I forget who I was back then. No, 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 no that, that's big. That's big. <laughs> that's so amazing. So I want to go back to you you, you, you. you left a pin at 
after so, after sorry we, i didn't mean to no that's fine i enjoy that ride i enjoy that ride because it all added it up it was to, just a, like you said like pinnacle people oh whoa you're right yeah, and, and what, that's what my life has been uh, about is true. being in a situation where all of a sudden there's people that you would never ever believe that are around you and it's about manifestation and it's about believing that you're supposed to be at these places for some weird reason Ask your podcast called Rosenberg. DJ Chef Fred just dropped three major jewels back to back (laughs) just now. Could could you look into the main camera and just say that again, please? Manifestation. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the number one thing. To manifest. That's all. And believe that you're supposed to be there. Brandy Vale. Wow. So, all right, let's, let's finish this because here's why I'm being so detailed. And allowing and, and wanting you to express all these innuendos that you've experienced. There's a young kid watching this. Okay. Or another chef. Or somebody who's in the ruts right now and is like, wow, where, where can I go? And when they listen to the story, they, they're going to be motivated. So let's go through this. So you mentioned being aware to... And that's where we went from the entrepreneur. You're working for your grandmother. You started slicing the meat, prepping the store. Thank you. In the morning before she woke up. So. And, and that's where my my journey sort of began. With the show. To chef. understand. I already had kids working in the neighborhood for me. So I would I had money coming in, residual, you, you know, to, like the age Were you of ever like, cooking at home before? Yeah. No, but prior we, to working in, in grandma's. Of course. You were cooking at home before? Yeah. Yeah, you had to because mom and dad worked. So when I lived in Half Moon Bay, mom stayed home. I moved all of a sudden inner city and my parents had some financial issues. So all of a sudden I'm raising my sister. Because they both have to work. And because they have to work, they don't get home until six o'clock. So we get off of school at two. They didn't have money for babysitters. You know, we moved to that area because it was cheap. So all of a sudden I became inner city. So I I became friends with some of the most amazing people do you remember the like, first yeah. meal you put together for your sister and yourself? Or your, your most favorite meal? Spaghetti. Yeah, we made spaghetti. So, have you re- did you end up cooking for mom and, and dad? And beef and broccoli. So, you know, what really started it was those, those little lorry packets. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Taco, burrito, gelata. So it gave a foundation, okay, of how to actually create food and understanding the order of fire for what you're trying to do. You sweat your onion, you do your meat, and then you do your vegetables, and boom, 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 and there's your sauce, and you mix it together. You understand a little bit of a emulsification all from a lorry seasoning packet. It's amazing. Okay, so all that goes into a culinary school, and then you understand how to reverse engineer the whole thing and actually create it. Wow. So, I mean, like, it's a it's silly amazing. way to do yeah, it. But you're, you're, you're older, you're this age. You're 15. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Self-taught. Saving your family. Self-taught. You know, mom comes home and dinner's done. What's, I was going to ask you that. So yeah. what's, what's yeah. Your, what was mom's impression of the meal that you would make? Happy. She didn't have to do it. And, and then we did. Then we did the dishes too. And she enjoyed it. Yeah, of course, we all did. That's how we lived until you know we were like sixteen, seventeen, when you know we all started to move along. And so we in it, the it, house it so seems much. it seems as if, and, and I'm glad you mentioned this. It seems as if not only mom and dad supported and exposed you to freedom and expression and art and just experiencing life. 
However, it seems as if you grasp that, you know? So let's talk about... I've got to, like, have a silver spoon and, you know, fight over my Jordans all in the same week. So that contrast gave you, this wisdom, <laughs> gave you that wisdom. It was really mind-bending, but it was cool. All right, so how did? Okay, so now we figured. We now we know where the cooking thing came in, and so we're gonna we're gonna see the merger of all of this. And before I go into the second break, let's talk about the music, right? Because DJ Chef Fred, where did that music thing come in, and what are the influences for that? Well, I started to go to clubs when I was, you know, 15 years old. Climb out the window, had a couple girlfriends that were all little (laughs) hot mods, right? And, you know, we took the bus. They had bigger balls than me, right? They knew the bouncers. I was like, all right, let's go. Hey, just jump. I'm just following the chicks. You know, like they're smart, man. Smart, man. You can't go wrong when you follow the chicks. Gina Pagano, great, Mm. great woman, the one I was just telling you about. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. this girl was the most amazing. She got us into everywhere at the age of 15. Okay, it was the most. (laughs) Big shout out to Gina. (laughs) New York, hey. So you're you're going out to these clubs. And And it built a musical influence. You know, we weren't listening to Iron Maiden and, you know, all the little metal and the uh, Guns N' Roses. That wasn't the jam. People were listening to, like, Joy Division and New Order and Echo and the Bunnymen and The Cure. And oh, wow. Bronski Beat and, you know, just a lot of different, uh, you know, 80s kind of energy and which turned into dance music. Mm. New Order is pretty much the... True. True. You know the founder. So, because um, so let's just follow. So you you you're a smart man. You're having fun with the ladies. You go where they're going because they, they, they never leave you wrong. There's always going to be fun. You're in these clubs. You're experiencing the music. That was the baby. So you just had to feed it. And how does it transition to becoming a DJ? Um, well, that's where the raves came in. So I got to experience the whole San Francisco mm. and uh, Southern California uh, rave scene. And from like 1988, 1990, when we first started to go out and hit, you know, hit all the deep clubs. Uh, by 95, I actually started, I got my first turntable. So Do you remember I, what brand it was? Technique 1200s, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that was what really started me. So first my roommates, one had one and the other one had one, so they both sucked on him. So I had to like, like, all right, cool, you guys done sucking? Cool, let me fucking <laughs> let me get on there and shit. So I was, because I, I played drums, I was around music, I've always yeah, been very, true, I played true. in like different bands, I sang at the National Anthem at a Giants game. My you know, dude. like different like things that I grew up with because my dad wanted me to play and do so, so you put us in like community chorus or you were a singer? Like, no, not anymore. I smoked too many cigarettes <laughs> and shit. But at, at one point, I could you know sing a little bit, and that's what my dad gave us those opportunities. Which, which made the music background. So becoming a DJ was much easier, easier for you because it's because I could feel the, it, yeah. I could hear, and I can do uh, you know active, activate. 
different octaves yeah. without losing that ability. Of course, yeah. So yeah. Just playing. Yeah, the BPM. Are you, are you, in, so you, do, you do any of the little zigga zigga tricks or are you just into blends? I, I, and I, I could do uh, a little bit of scratching. I've been in a few bands and stuff okay. scr- as the DJ the scratching, scratching the, and okay. high guy. But like my big is doing, you know, like four minute mixes, writing the beats, playing. Yeah. Nice blends. Yeah. Taking you on a ride and letting you feel the emotions that I'm trying to like portray in the music that I select for you. Which is, which is as a DJ, yeah. uh, another DJ, I like the way you said that because when I, when, I, when I play, it's like I'm painting my picture of how I want you to enjoy this music. I weave it in. I repeat certain things. So that's, that's but cool. you know, I, I, I want to continue this, but <laughs> let, me, let me pull this up. I'm going to take a quick break. Your boy, DJ Chef Fred, sitting in and honoring us right now at Escure Podcast, School Rosenberg. We're chopping through his life yeah we're chopping through his life and 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 the experiences that has made him this iconic dj this iconic chef this iconic cannabis influencer sqr podcast called rosenberg one i'm dj chef fred welcome to dj chef fred show October 4th, I was invited out to the Las Vegas Hempfest. I DJed out there for a half hour set. Got to hang out with Send Dog from Cypress Hill. Watched Property 6 from Arizona. If you don't know who Property 6 is, they're an upcoming uh, rap and rock band. SQR Podcast, Corey Rosenberg, rocking in with DJ Chef Fred. And, you know, we've kind of colored the journey to this point because we've been dancing. Normally, I try to keep my guests into this format of the transition from, you know, being a you know a kid, growing up and transitioning to an adult. But your life seems to be so colorful. And what I mean by that is you are allowed to experience a lot of things early. And that's how you're able to become this beautiful kaleidoscope of talent and energy that you are so i salute you for being so absorbent and that's one of the things i wanted to say to you sitting across from you all i heard is or have heard so far is you've accepted everything that you have experienced and i've given it's it's not just about major jewel right there (laughs) what's given what's the opportunities is because i give to be those at those places so we now realize the music influence. We now re- realize the cause and the influence behind the food. I would like to find out, when did you become inspired to perfect and grow culinarily? Okay. Um, that was 2000 and... No, wait. Actually, my, I went to three culinary schools. Yeah, so, um, so what was the catalyst <laughs> for becoming... I had a girlfriend... And she said I was a great chef. Based on the stuff you're cooking for your for, sisters for, and mom? No, no. Like, we went to college, you know, Sac State and different colleges. And, you know, I would cook different stuff. And she was like, you should be a chef. You know, that's what you should do. Or you should be a, a stand-up comedian. One of the three. things. <laughs> you're <like>, both. <laughs> Can you do all three? Yeah. So that's even funnier because I'm DJ Chef Fred. So now I'm like. Two of the. I cook and, and DJ, DJ at the same time and infuse the food. 
So yeah. So okay. So let's let's finish. So so let's go back to that girlfriend who who suggested that. Susie, good old Susie, right? Can we toast Susie for being an influencer? She was though. She was an inspiration. She was a ball buster, right? Yeah. She just really pushed me to a lot of limits. So I went into the school. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be a chef, right? We go on a dinner. Her like friends friends are going to like college of uh, San Francisco City College Culinary School. And I've always wanted to go to California Culinary Academy. That's okay. the main school that's like up with CIA. <clears throat> you know, it's really high end. Yeah. And uh, I ended up applying to the school and I didn't have, uh, my parents couldn't co-sign for me and they weren't about to give me that loan. So I couldn't go to that school. It, and I ended up at um, Foothill College in Mountain View. Okay. Los Altos Hills. And so I go to that school and two lates equal in absence. And I'm, you know, I'm still party boy. Okay. And I'm trying to learn how to be a professional chef. I'm trying to take life seriously. And there's lots of hardships and tribulations that it takes where, you know, you don't really realize that you really have to do a next level thing to get this education, to be able to become a professional and actually be someone that can handle the volume, the pressure, Mm -hmm. and to produce those foods. Part of that is showing up on time. Basics. Basics. So, too late equal an absence, so I'm kicked out of that school, (laughs) right, like, uh, four days before. But, yeah, it was amazing. So, whatever, that was fine. It closed right after, and the guy embezzled everybody's money, and the school closed. So then, the next one was Santa Barbara City College, and... um, I skateboarded a mile and a half to school every morning at four in the morning, rain. It it was the funniest thing because I was like rebuilding my life. Got focused. Right? So I was like, all right, I'm just going to skate. I'll be close enough. And a mile and a half wasn't close enough. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up in San Diego. And that's where I became a DJ. Mm. Okay. So then I got picked up by... um, uh, company in San Francisco. Oh, I'm sorry, I forget. No, that's I fine. But, but I want to take a pin before we go back into getting picked up on a DJ. So the culinary school hops that you've been doing. Yeah. Where did you that, end there up? Was, there was a there was a, a a separation. So I went to the first one. I got kicked the, out. Yeah, right at the end. The second one, right at the end. Okay. Too always late, right at the end. Too lazy equal an absence. It always was my killer. Okay. Like I, I, I had Not showing up. At Not six, being on time. At six in the morning because I'm party boy. I'll be real. You took responsibility. So, hey. So instead of going to class, you were having sex? Doing whatever I wanted. You know. No, coffee. I would show up. But if class starts at six and you're there after 6.05, which was the variance, you're late. And if you get three lates, you're out in a semester. Understood. Okay. Understood. So. 606, 605 in three seconds. Like, this, for real, dude. You yeah, know what I mean? Trying, like, it wasn't, yeah. I, I never missed a day. You're late. Late. So, you know, you I. paid the I, cost. Yeah. So you bump it out at class, the first college, and the second same, college, same, same thing, thing. Same thing. Yeah. Third so then college. I, oh, straight A's. 
Yeah. But, before you, but before you went from the second to the third, the DJ thing came into the play. Yeah. So I spent five years in San Diego. DJing. Being a performer. And then I got picked up by uh, Moonshine yeah. Records out of L.A. So I did with Donald Glaw, DJ Dan, AK-1200. So I did pretty much from uh, Missouri to Seattle. So with that tour what, what's your, so what was your experience when you your first do you remember your first set you played in public yeah where was this my we had a house party in San Diego and there was like 500 kids at the house you volunteered to play no we put the party on we did them all the time so it became like the jam so who, how did you end up behind the turntables we bought them how did you end up behind them because I've always been the music guy. I, like either I was part of a band okay. or I brought bands, you know, I either promoted or okay, you know. of course, which is where the mom, dad's influence came in from that energy. Yeah, I've, okay, cool. I've that made a lot been of sense. Into, like putting parties together, so, so I promoted and been an organizer for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And did you realize the crowd reaction to how you were playing and the? the I wasn't very good. How could you be? You no, were just starting. Just starting. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. But within two years, a year and a half, I was playing in front of like 10,000 people. What was that like? Your first 10,000 people set, what was that like? I felt like I had to pee the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I really did, oh man. I was so scared. Right? And I oh think someone God. put like a, a, oh a black uh, black licorice Molly, like before Molly came out, like MDMA, in my, my cocktail or something, like my energy drink or smart drink. Like it was a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, I was just all, my turn? And it was on. Go. And no you way. Know, never you, looked back. And you rocked out. Yeah, for sure. And a couple little beat match yeah. missings, you know what I mean? You, but, like, you, you, I knew how to cut. Oh, I could dope. do a couple little moves and so stuff. Do, so so let's, let's go a little bit more granular. So you're there. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't that moment. Um, but whatever For the moment, love of music at, yeah. the, at the Orange County Fairgrounds. So oh. it was, like, 30,000 people. So do you remember looking up? Seeing the crowd just rocking with you for the first and, and sense that energy. What was that like? Scary. Wow. Because if you you got them all going, right? And the par part is that the, you would get this frequency because of the crowd that your music would skip on the records, right? And if you're like in a, a something that has beams underneath you yeah, yeah. all of a sudden you have 10,000 people going like this your stage is really doing some like yeah. movement and stuff so you're like your records will be yeah wow that's amazing yeah it was scary uh, isn't, it, isn't it amazing the influence that and then just your own abilities and just to believe that you're like I'm here I'm matching it up yeah. it's all going like you know you're just starting like after no. years of development you're just like yeah whatever you're just yeah, flying yeah, around yeah. and it's wow. no problem but no, back the, then it was it's, it's, it's it so wasn't weird. even Serato yeah I know it's real songs yeah. we're playing tracks yeah, yeah. what's so funny <laughs> is um, the influence that music has on us as human beings and to be the the uh, 
the the guy who runs that or tells that story via music that's amazing it's a great experience so thank you for being so detailed about that and sharing i appreciate that so i want to now navigate and and come to where we are now because we've realized how you know the 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 two angles of food and music you go back you get serious and you go finish your culinary um, studies where did you i become the chef to alex panos the owner of the san diego chargers how did that happen I worked at a place, and he came and ate there, and he liked me. Did you approach... Frequencies. Okay. When there's individuals that are in the same area that produce these frequencies that we're talking about, they find each other. And that's Major how Jewel. the Major deals, Jewel. that's how it happens. So you're but working in the right... Did you approach him, or he approached you? He approached me. He pulled me aside and said, hey, how much is it going to cost me to pull you over here on like three days a week? Wow. (laughs) I said, all right, cool, let's go. What do you want? So then we did the inaugural ball for Arnold Schwarzenegger at his house. And you were the chef for that? I was a sous chef. That was my first sous chef role. I had a culinary school. Yeah. All right, um... If you can, how did you think? So, no, because I'm, so, so because here's here's what I want to get from this. You're telling a a beautiful story, which is your life. But how does some how? And I know it's frequency, and I'm not, that's why I'm not going to question it too much. But how do you think you were able to get into these major? I mean, come on, the guy from the Saints, the owner, Bing. The San Diego Chargers. Um, San Diego Chargers. So then I I was there, and then my family were, they have hotels such. So he said, hey, why don't you come over here to this hotel? I want you to be the executive sous chef over here. Okay. So I went over there, and I left the Schwabs. Okay. And, or not the Schwabs, but that's later. (laughs) I left uh, Spanos. Okay. And um, he, you know, he's still a resource. You know what I mean? Like, but so I went into our family business uh, for like you know eight months, which is a year. Uh, the hotel, the hotelier, hotel yeah, yeah. So I jumped into that. And what did you do in that field? I was executive sous chef. Okay. So I mean, I had particular. They wanted me to go in, look at numbers, yes, watch the executive chef, see what the, what they were doing. And, and come back with a report and see if they're actually taking steaks out of the fridge or not. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm out of here. This, is, this, isn't my, this isn't my jam. You guys are tripping. So I went and became the executive sous chef at Ruby Hill Country Club Ooh. for um, John Madden. Yeah, yeah. So I worked with John Madden. I did all the uh, bocce ball tournaments. For Can him. I ask you this? Have you ever served anything that got a bad review or bad comment, and how did you handle that? Sure, I don't know. I mean, I don't not necessarily like in a newspaper. Or no, no, like no. That, from a from a yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I'm not always the best chef. I'm a human. You know, I understand all my techniques, and if someone that has something that, yeah. I'm so sorry. You, I'm a humble human. I can sense and, that. And if 
I had to like a big pride problem. There, there probably could have been a hundred situations sure. in my life where I could have socked someone in the eye. But because I have made a choice in my life a long time ago that understandings and uh, compassion, okay, is where I'm gonna thrive the mm. most as a human. Okay, that was so profound. And that goes with everyone that eats my food or listens to my music or sees me on a show that I'm on. That's okay. the energy you... Yeah. DJ Chef, right? That have, was, you're allowed to have that energy and I accept it. That was so profound. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to fight it. Yeah. No, no, that, that's incredible. That's incredible. So, um, one of the things I, I also wanted to, um, to, to, to get into, as we made this transition from you know the, the 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 music and the DJing and and you know now getting into the food and passionately getting into the food. It, it's it's refreshing, but I'm also curious of now that you're doing these events and these major events. When did the cannabis infusion come into that imagery? Okay, so in uh, 2009. I was the executive chef, personal chef for Charles Schwab's sister, Catherine Schwab. Wow. So I, I was first Charles Schwab chef. Yes. So I left uh, uh, John Madden, Jerry Rice, and then Steve Young. Oh, wow. And then I went Major to uh, Charles Schwab. Yeah. And then from Charles Schwab, I went to his sister at the Hellman Mansion in San Francisco. Yes, yes. And uh, she wanted to go to South Africa. She wanted me to leave my third baby. I wasn't about to leave my family. I'm a very family-oriented man. So, you know, even though I'm live action, I still have, a, you know, a great family thing. Can, that can I we, do. Um, let's, before we even finish to get on that tangent, I need to... Uh, apologize because I need to ask you about the family a bit for a little bit. So we're going to stick sure. a pin right there and, and dig into that right now. But before sure. we do that, let's take a quick break. Ask your podcast, <laughs> Cole Rosenberg. We're going to come back in. Your boy, DJ Chef Fred, is sharing it all out. And I want you to understand this vulnerability is, is nothing but all the ingredients that have made him who he is. DJ Chef Fred, your boy, Cole Rosenberg, taking a quick break. We'll be back to wrap this up. One. Coral, thank you so much. You're doing it in... Wow, this definitely looks like way more than 5,000 than they talked about. Right? That's what I'm saying, too. I was just trying e to be it's nice. It's not even 420 yet. I know. It's going to so be, so be hella crowded. I think maybe like 15,000. I don't know. But we got beat set up. I'm going to be doing an infused cooking demo. Catch it up. See you in a minute. I'm DJ Chef Bradbury at Hippie Hill. I'm swimming against the water. I feel like a little trout or a salmon trying to go up river. But check it out. We have so many people out here today celebrating cannabis. Escura Podcast, Cole Rosenberg. You know what's so funny? There's certain meals you can't rush. You know, you have to go through. And I want to take a moment to give a big shout out to the Patterson Police Department. They're always on cue. Every time I record, they go by. So to all the officers out there, safe night today. And thank you for the ambiance that's never missed. You know, I used to get mad about him, but then, you know, you got that little... That's a nice like, sample. It's like, you know what? Hey. Thank you. <laughs> Could be mad about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, DJ Chef Fred, I mean, your journey has been, as I said before, colorful, accepting, open, 
you have absorbed and appreciated every talent that you've you know and, and, and you've actually acted on those talents so what I love thus far in the journey is how you've navigated, you know, being around the opulence, the celebrities, um, you know, but being able to be the guy on the street and still maintain that common. But it also comes to the point where when you are around these individuals, you come to a realization of who you are. And when you look at a rock video, okay? Or a rap video, you know who's the gangster. Mm. You know who's the real rock musician mm. by the lifestyle that they live, the people that are surrounding them. Okay, and you recognize who you are a lot of times. Mm. Okay, and uh, that that's what happened. You know, so you you realize, okay, wait, I I wanted to be a DJ. I did the raves when I was a kid. I became all of a sudden on some of the top DJs. He's like number ten in the world, DJ Dan. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He, we started him. Like my friend started Basics in San Francisco. Wow. Keith Neves. Yeah. Okay. Funky Techno Tribe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's us. Well, as kids, that put those together in San Francisco. Our group by either putting flyers on windows on yeah. the cars or the guerrilla marketing to do or get whatever this done. we did and that's what gave us those part of that foundation can i take a segue into promoting the family <laughs> yeah your family sure so you met your your wife at what age 27 or 6 or something like where that. was this san diego I was performing, and I was in a band called Defrost, and, <laughs> and uh, it was the PB Block Party in San Diego on Garnett Street, yeah. and my band's playing main stage, I'm scratching, and I have this baby pit bull, well, Bono is his name after U2, because yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah, yeah. U2 fan, right, from my little <laughs> hair <days>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my first dog that I had as an adult was Bono. Okay. And uh, he decided to fall off the stage and was hanging himself. <laughs> he decided to fall off the stage. Ding dong. But he made a mis he, his mistake and got my wife. Well, the, uh, the three girls that were right next to it saw my dog, like, literally, like, hanging off yeah. of the stage and everything. And... Uh, they save my dog and they're like, Hey, your dog. And I'm like, Hey, cool. <laughs> you know, like, still just <laughs> bad parent, bad parent. <laughs> and, and I took the first roommate out and I had a motorcycle. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> We didn't fit on my bike too well. It was like having Big Bird on the back of my bike. The wind was hitting her. It was like, man, this girl's going to kill me and everything. It was just so gnarly. It was awesome, right? And she's great. Jen, I love her. Jen, she's beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay? So then there was another one, and 
she was just a little drunk for me, you know? And yeah. then there was just one, they were all from Iowa. So I'm from Cali, and, it, you know, their frequency and their energies is so different from the Midwest yeah. as a girl. Yeah. Okay, more like, you know. Controlled, more reserved. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, you know? And I was like, oh, my God. And I, I fell in love with this girl. Wow. And, you know, we built an energy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's where that foundation started, you know? I was partying every day. I had a crazy lifestyle. Cody's oh. home. Go ahead, go ahead. Partying every day and had a crazy lifestyle and performing, you know, four days a week, like in different clubs throughout the United wow. States, flying around. And, you know, she stuck by me. You know, through a Moving, lot of Moving, going through all that. Yeah, she like, you know, she she was really cool. You know, she believed in what I was doing. She loved music. She loved art. Oh, and, wow. you know, we What's her name? Sarah. Toast to Sarah. Toast to Sarah. Toast to Sarah. Yeah. Wow. Best friend forever. Mm. And that's what it all boils down to. Yeah. Boils down to, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not, what I've realized, especially this year, I realized that you're not, um, if you become caught up in the roles that you're supposed to play, you miss the fun. Let's just be friends. So please continue to share. Um, so now you've navigated. You, you met Sarah. You guys are traveling around. When did the first Bambina come into the picture, and how did that affect the dynamics? Um, well, I, I got in a little bit of trouble, okay? And uh, I had to make some adjustments in my life. And um, she was out of my girlfriends. I had some girlfriends and everything and she, we actually stuck it out and uh we had a baby and that was zola victoria nesbitt my olivia first. zola 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 that's a beautiful Z-O-L-A. name yeah it means beautiful actually in italian yeah. wow yeah zola victoria is her name so uh she was the poster child for all the people that I knew that were trying to have babies. So everyone's like, oh my God, your baby is just so perfect, right? And then all my buddies had all these like, <laughs> they could not control. They're like, dude, you like your propaganda was bullshit. Like your baby's so good. I like, cannot believe that you like gave us this bullshit. Like, we <laughs> not working on our kid. No, my baby isn't like that. So she really has been that kid. Oh wow! Like growing up, like through like elementary school, and uh, that's how I ended up with the Schwabs. Was my my. Um, oldest daughter she went to school with one of the moms and her mom was the chef for the Schwabs oh, and said okay. hey will you come and try out my mom's gonna retire so because of my oldest daughter um, you got that opportunity I, I was able to put that application in resume and do a stage with her and she was like hard first you know I didn't finish the meal you know and she was <laughs> like cool it was great no <laughs> but it's because no. of my no, oldest Zola. kid Zola yeah have babies you know, yeah. they do help you out yeah wow wow <laughs> wow so Zola is born and are you still moving everyone at this time or are you now settled no so- we're settled yeah, okay. I'm back in the Bay Area. Okay. I'm back. I'm working with my parents, helping them out. Okay, They're becoming nice. elderly. And, you know, that started the foundation of working with my mom, who ended up a uh, couple heart attacks, Alzheimer's, and then finally passed away, you know. But, like, it started that whole 
foundation of being able to take care of my mom and my dad and you know be able to give resources to my little sister because we're making money we're doing moves yeah. you know and a lot of people aren't always being able to do that so True. hey part of me is you so how good am i going to feel if True. you're hungry True. Yeah. wow it's amazing so the family makeup your family it's um your wife zola and you have and then i have will will okay yeah, yeah. will's uh, it's actually lily okay but will is will now okay so, so lily is will now lily is will now okay yeah it's great yeah and, and we support we support will oh nice and yeah. then you have the another girl samantha blue samantha blue yeah she's still a little girl okay yeah yeah, yeah. wow she's beautiful little gamer little gamer softball volleyball oh nice and, and will's really good at art so that's her that's uh will's um Thank you for being really so cool no thank you for being so open about that transition and that experience that uh, will is going through or has gone through and um, She's be- will I keep doing it but will is beginning this process and okay I'm beginning this process too so I'm learning how to make the changes on the pronouns and uh, you know acceptance you know I grew up in San Francisco I have had a lot of friends that have made these kind of changes okay. in the industries that we've been in and you know that that's part of that support for all those groups you know like can I um and I, I, I mess up on the pronouns yeah, that, that, it's that, not like, intentional you know, <laughs> you've been my baby girl for <laughs> Thirteen years. So here we go. I'll, I'll work on this. Yeah, give me some time, <laughs> please. <laughs> no, I respect that. Um, based on your perception, how is your wife adjusting or have adjusted to that transition? Hundred percent supportive. Also, oh, that's and, amazing. And it's been really cool, the wife, to be able to help me be educated and. You know, even though I've been through this, I haven't been through this with my daughter yeah. or my daughter in yeah. transition. Oh, that's yeah. that's amazing. Thank yeah. you for being so vulnerable and sharing that. Yeah. Um, so as you as you've um, you know created this beautiful family and have settled down and start working, we we had left off where your interaction with the Schwabs was the inspiration for the cannabis infusion. Yeah. Explain on that. They were they're okay, right? So I left the Schwabs, and my babysitter ended up having uh, brain cancer and breast cancer. So asked me, "Hey, I'm going to the dispensaries. You're my you're my friend, chef. I did special food for her already, like different meals and stuff and planning." So she asked me, "You know, like, hey, I can only get candy and cookies and brownies. What do I do?" I'm diabetic. Mm. I'm on the brat diet, banana, rice, apples, and toast. What do I do? Help me out. Give me some nutrients. Give me some ability to put cannabinoids into that. So I looked into it. So there's a doctor out of uh, up in Humboldt, Mendocino area, Dr. William Courtney. He was a big influencer in juicing cannabis raw. Okay. Okay, and it gave a big educational base on what it did from some of the lifestyles that him and his new wife um, began to show from their uh, data that yeah. they started to collect because it's all sort of new. Yeah. You know, and um, Dr. William Courtney was awesome. Wow. So, yeah, so th- that's where it all sort of started with juicing cannabis, giving. Uh, cannabinoids into 
uh, the butter, and which was a, a simple one, right? Mm-hmm. And then into drinks, mm-hmm. into soups, into stocks, things that they would start to and eat that they could actually uh, hold down because of the radiation and the chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was like the big influence. So then I had a friend that said, hey, uh, why don't you make a company and we'll run a little ad in Craigslist? And I said, okay. And the company would be infusing foods with these. Cannabiscatering.com was born. So that became the viral. So when I ran the ad into Craigslist, all of a sudden Fast Company called me. You know, Fast Company is a publication. So that was my first breakthrough on the viral. So I became uh, an overnight success in cannabis because of FastCompany.com. So they wrote that original original article. Ariel Schwartz was the writer of that article. Wow. So she wrote that. uh, And then it turned... Grubhub all the way through to Playboy, National Geographic. So I would do a cooking demonstration and National Geographic would show up, shoot uh, visuals and give me an an interview on why I'm picking the selection, going with this food. They would do shots of all the different publications. There was shots of food. I would give a recipe. I was just as transparent. Were you still doing, were were you doing the infusions at that time? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So I was taking my culinary school experience. and my experience of being able to turn sauces and do emulsification and understand some gastronomy. So it became real easy. How do you balance? And, you know, because everybody who's ever tried edibles, you know, one of the most common feedback is I ate too much and or I, I, I ate more than what I'm... How are you able to balance that, or are you able to balance that with... 100%. I have 100% control. Pinpoint accuracy. So, so if I'm a... When I started, a, there was no labs. Mm. Okay? That's so if I'm, a, if I'm a cannabis, uh, if I appreciate cannabis, and on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm an I'm a 8, you will make a sauce that will be okay for me, but for somebody who's a two, they won't have that same effect. I mean, they won't have an overdose on that. Well, number one, no one's ever do- overdosed from cannabis. I mean, I, I use the word overdose, okay. but I mean... Because you may want to die, but it's not going to kill you. Let's <laughs> <laughs> our podcast called Rosenberg. When we drop a jewel, <laughs> something profound is said. We call it dropping a jewel. And just did. But that's real. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You may want to die, but... It's all sorry. about the golden wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that at my events. I I spray painted a gold a wheelbarrow gold. Yeah. And then if someone was having a hard time, right? I was like, all right, just right into the wheelbarrow. Open to the cab. Boom. Close the cab. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> the golden wheelbarrow at some point. So. But it's been a long time. I've had not had to do that because that's where it started. Mm-hmm. And then lab testing came in. I became really good friends with John Oram, this, the original founder of um, CW Analytical. 
okay, out of Oakland. Yeah. So it gave me my own personal laboratory to be able to start throwing recipes at, Ooh. extracts at, mm. cannabis flowers, you know, all these different things that I would come up with. And he was like, you know, Shep, you're crazy. Cool. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden they could do chocolate and all all the mm. stuff opened up. Everything expanded. And I didn't realize that, you know, it wasn't just myself, but there was a whole group of us that was just handing these people things that they were able to build SOPs which become the foundation of how we're actually regulating cannabis today. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Back really early. Wow. Because that wasn't there at all. So once you understand it and then you get a lab report back, right? Yeah. So say you have a, an extract that is 90, 90% THC or cannabinoids. We'll just use THC. That means it's 900 milligrams per gram. So at that point, you could even if you want 10 milligrams, you want five, you want one milligram. Exactly. I'm able to titrate it just from this lab report, and it changed my life and everyone's life in the cannabis industry. It's amazing. That was the foundation of being able to actually write the laws. So that, okay, a 10 milligram, how are you going to pull that off if you didn't have a lab test? None of those things existed. Mm, makes a lot so of sense. So when you ask me, can I do that? Yes, 110%, you can. 110%, sir. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> wow. You know, so I am now even more fascinated with understanding the ground, the foundation you helped build with that and the merger of, of you know the culinary and especially the, the medicinal effects on patients and cancer patients who are now able to digest something get the relief and also maintain an appetite because it makes you want to you know build the appetite up so as you're doing this have you ever stopped for a moment and look back and go holy crap look what i'm involved in or look what i'm doing well in uh, I think it's 17 I think or I forget which year 17 or 18 right before I met um, Mr. Spalding okay I saw this ad on Facebook about the University of Vermont Department of Pharmacology the first medical school in the world to give a uh, continued education certification to uh, physicians you had to be a PhD or a doctor or right. a, a pharmacist of some sort yeah. to be part of this program. I didn't read that part. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm sitting there and I saw it and I'm like, yeah, that is cool. And so I put an application in and I go to Burning Man. You never heard of Burning Man out in the mm-hmm. desert? So I've, I've been a f- quite a few times in that. I like the burn. And... I get a call. I'm like riding the bike on the playa and I use my phone to take pictures. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, all of a sudden my phone rings and I'm all, whoa. <laughs> we won't go into why I'm so woed up. But whoa. Right? And it's the medical school. And I'm all, hello? <laughs> oh, hello, this is the director of the Vermont. I'm like, okay, yeah. What's going on? And I'm all, well, you know. It doesn't look like you're a PhD. <laughs> and I'm all, yeah, true that. 
well, you can't go. And I was all, well, I'm, I'm on the playa. What's the playa? It's at the beach. I'm all, no, I'm in Burning Man. He's all, oh, my God, I really wish I could go to that. <laughs> so we talked about psychedelics and all this stuff for the, the director for, like, ten minutes. And he's all, well, you have a good time, buddy. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Back on my bike. Taking off, right? Well, the, the class actually starts in October. And I'm, it comes up, ding, on my reminder, like, hey, class starts. And I'm like, man, why didn't they call me? Totally forgot that I talked to the director. So now I got this little irritation, like, why didn't they call me? So I call the director, like, yo. And I act, get on the phone with them. I don't know how. Yeah. Right? I'm the actually, same guy who called you initially. Yes. That said I couldn't. And they yeah. don't take phone calls. And I just managed to bitch and get on the phone with them. Yeah. And this guy starts, actually it's a team too, right? They start asking me questions. What makes you think you could be in this? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, let's talk about what were you doing in 1995, ma'am? She goes, what do you mean? I'm like, well, in 1995, I worked for a gentleman named Dennis Perone. You know who that is? And she's all, I know who heard of him. I'm like, well, I worked in the first cannabis dispensary in the United States of America. And she goes, oh. Well, you've heard of Brownie Mary? She goes, mm, yeah. I'm like, well, I delivered her brownies. Into USF, into Oakland, into Stanford University, to dying patients because we believed in cannabis. Oh. <laughs> well, so, you know, when did you come into the scene? Yeah. And she goes, well, Mr. Nesbitt, you have about 20 more years than we have on you know, they have had five years yeah. working at the uh, University of Mississippi, working for GW Pharmaceutical, writing Epidiolex's recipes. Wow. So now I'm working underneath them. They accepted me. She asked like 50 <coughs> questions and was all, I think you might help us. And they let me in. Do you, <laughs> do you have the money, chef? And I was all, beep, beep, beep. How do you want that? <laughs> you want it in weed or cash yes. or what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. But yeah, like, yeah. I did, so I got in, and you know, I made it through the whole thing, and it changed the way that I actually looked at the patient, because now I'm looking at clinical trial data. I'm starting to understand stuff a little bit more, and it gave me a better foundation to speak to higher level individuals mm. other than dispensary yeah, yeah. or media and families, right? Now I'm on a political level. Yes. And yes. that's where I jumped into St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, I had my dispensary, I had an edible company, and then I was uh, working with the Mueller family who started Acres in Las Vegas. Oh, nice. I didn't know they were behind Acres. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're original. No, the, the original Acres. Oh, okay. oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's out of Las Vegas. 
so um, they brought me in uh, to Acres in Eureka. Eureka's in St. Salinas. It was a hundred thousand square foot facility for Steinbeck and mice and men. Yes, that's where they grew all those flowers. There's like that was my first big road helping that group right there. So not only did you, and it seems like that it seems like because of that experience at the college, at the university, that you were able to understand the through that program, the whole dynamics of the cannabis. I was able to refine, and it gave a foundation for people to go, oh, you just aren't like some cannabis chef guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, you went to culinary school. Oh, you've been a celebrity. These people, you have rapport. You've done this. You've done this. You've got your own businesses. You have licenses. All of a sudden, things change. True, true. The validity is there. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. But I wanted to ask, as you became more knowledgeable and started really understanding the correlation between the plant and the patient, has your inspiration been fueled more by that or maybe more for just wanting to bring a whole knowledge base uh, consumer? You know, that's amazing you say that, Kay. I just recently had a business partner that pulled up this whole video about the why. Okay. And the why is, why are you you? Why have you done what you've done? What is the why? Okay. And there's been a period where, because I've done so many different things within the industry, you really lose where you came in and what you want to do. And, you know, like all of a sudden you're, you know, like I have a, I own a, of a video production company. I have a TV network. There's all these different, what's the why (laughs) at this point? (laughs) You know, it started off helping my cancer patient lady who was my babysitter. That's the why. Mm. Okay? Giving. And that's what built who I was the whole time. Giving. Giving my education. Well, everyone held it tight. Okay? spreading it I'm writing articles about it I'm giving it away for free okay it's it's blessings while everyone's trying to help themselves and the people that they love from different western medicines yeah I'm giving free go I'm giving free knowledge away just to help families help babies I've got babies that survive that are still alive from brain cancer you know like there's a why and if you don't have a why you're just doing it for the dough SQL podcast Gore Rosenberg a phenomenal phenomenal jewel I ha- and I have to say in the, in, the, in the years I've been doing this podcast that's in the top five my friend yeah. if you don't have a why you're only doing it for the dough yeah. and that's even so pathetic it is and everyone follows that, you know? No, but I, I like how, and I salute you because when I ask you, you know, what's the motivation, and you, you mentioned the why, you quickly went back to why you started this. And then all you've done since we've been talking is, is shared with me how you've expounded on that why to where we are right now. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about where we are right now. Yeah. But before we do that, <clears throat> I want to go back a little bit sure. and touch on 
the connections you've had with two of my biggest artists, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, who, yeah. by the way, they just murdered the Super Bowl with Mary Wasn't J. Blige and like, Eminem. And that was like, that was so classic. Yeah, I mean, like the brain aneurysm, sorry. Yeah. Um, that he experienced. Yeah, and for Dre to come back, learn how to walk, learn yeah. how to sing, and do a lot of, you know, that's inspiration. That's a why. That's a why. That's a why. You know so, I mean? like, the, so, like, tell me about that, your that, that makes me like shiver, like, oh my God. <laughs> You got a good why. Yeah, yeah. I'm jealous right now. Good yeah. why. Good why. Good why. Dr. Yeah. Dre. Tell me about your connection <laughs> with Dr. Dre, Snoop, and that whole West Coast connection and yeah, your influence there. So there was a guy, Jay Laupak and yeah. Sammy Trujillo. Okay, so th- those guys were working together, and uh, Rob Quintero, and uh, they all, you know, they did work with him with weed back in the day a long time supplying a lot of good cannabis to a lot of people cool people and uh, we were all doing stuff so like there was a company called We Grow that was the Walmart of hydroponics okay so that's where National Geographic was and then then they brought in all these other people and it opened up the plane ticket getting to Vegas to do Snoop Dogg first what did you do for Snoop? Uh, the first time crepes, okay. Nutella, uh, whipped cream, Chantilly whipped cream, and strawberries. All infused. All infused, yeah, yeah. With the little syrup, everything's infused from the crepe, the whipped cream, all of it. What was Snoop's Nutella. reaction? Close the door. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, there was no really interaction. I made more friends with like corrupt and uh, the dog pound. Yeah, yeah, I got a really good understanding of the life that you know all these other rappers yeah. underneath him lived. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was my life. Oh wow! So you just provided the food. Mm-hmm. What about Dr. Dre? That was it, Chalice. So, but Snoop invited me another time, but it was the same kind of experience. Yeah. But it wasn't totally just that. We went to, you know, he performed at Wild Bills at State Line. We were in Convoy. I'm with the Dog Pound in a Humvee. There's like 10 Humvees going, performing at like 15,000 people. Then we're going to strip clubs and playing all these crazy places back. This is all because all you're, long. And, and you're providing just the food for these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah just kicking it. No frequency, you know, either yeah. you're a or you get to kick it. Yeah. You're part of the fam. Yeah, you are. Yeah, true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know what, I mean? what was your interaction <laughs> with Dr. Dre like? Uh, actually, you know, it was 113 degrees <laughs> at a right. festival called Chalice that Dougie puts on. Yeah. And uh, it's no more. But it was a real cool music festival, cannabis festival with glass and, you know, a lot of cool artists played. Maybe like 20 or 30 or big oh, artists wow. played and stuff. And uh, Dre was a, a headliner in Ice Cube, and that was the first time I met both of those okay. those guys. You provided so, food for them also? Uh, they wanted food at first, but then they're like, hey, scratch the food. Can we get fruit platters? And I was like, yeah, dude. So I supplied a bunch of different uh, syrups to go under the fruit. Oh, and sweet. Then, and then I had a chocolate fountain. Yeah. So each one of the, they were in cabanas. Yeah, yeah. Right? Stayed side. Uh, while each one performed, so while Dr. Dre performed, Ice Cube it was in the cabana. Was in the cabana, like each one of them on each side, you know. Oh, sweet! Yeah. 
So See. they each got their own little grind, so they brought them. Okay, and all the f- and all the foods infused for them also. Just the dip. Just the so those people that didn't want to get high in the in yeah. the boost too. Oh, that's honest. amazing. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to get high. Yeah, which is beautiful. Yeah. As you I'm tell actually, me what you want, I'll give it to you. It's not about getting you loaded. It's yeah. about giving the baby what the baby wants. wants. Yeah. Another jewel on SQR podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Give the baby what the baby wants and you'll do business forever. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's so amazing hearing you you know, share your interactions and the way you're bringing your passion and your culinary experience to the forefront and the infusion with the medicine. As a matter of fact, I, I was thinking about this today. People go, yo, I'm high. You're not high. You're elevated. You know, because what's the opposite of high is low. So are you, when you're not high, you're low? No, you're not. But you're just more elevated and more aware. And that's why we salute how you're bringing this, you know, to the forefront. Um, I wanted to just get into where we are right now. And I would love to pick up on, number one, we'll go back to the music. You have a gig coming up pretty soon. Yep. Talk to me about that gig. Um, it is the Cali Bud Fest in Las Vegas. It'll be like twelve, sixteen thousand people somewhere in there like that. You're you're spinning. I'm DJing the VIP and I'm cooking at the same time. <laughs> so I infusing nice for twenty VIP. Nice. And then I am um, headlining the main stage. I'm not sure. I think it's right after Dizzy, right? Oh wow! So I'm I'm closing the place up. Okay, um, what are we doing for the food? Where we are with the culinary stuff? I got my high altitude TV, so that's what's sort of launching right now. So I've taken a little bit of time since COVID and everything. I wanted to try to highlight not just myself, but other people and give other people an opportunity to be able to express their arts. You know, like I've been doing it for 20 plus years now. So now my thing is like, yo, how do I give back? How do I like do a simple, you know, OTT situation where it's out to like, you know, 10, 20 million people Mm -hmm. if you put it out correctly. Correct. You know, so it's up to the individuals to be able to promote and put it out, but we give them the platform to be able to actually reach those. So high clients. altitude TV. Yes, sir. And you're looking for all type of content. Yes, sir. Yeah. Food, cannabis, music, you know, if you own your own content, music, videos, yeah, please. That's what it's about. Like art Wow. DJ Chef Fred. So we have your gig coming up in Vegas, um, and that's in another three weeks, no? Three weeks, yeah. Um, Thank you. You have the high-altitude platform um, network Mm -hmm. that we can connect to. Um, On your your restaurants, are you in a specific location now, or are you just really doing pop-up stuff? I'm actually doing a... um a thing for high alt, uh, not high altitude TV, but for Camp Nova Online dot com. Okay. So on um, Camp Nova's our pl- non plant touching technology. Oh. Okay, I've never heard of that. Okay. So we have vertical uh, with Equity Partners, my partners that I decided to do uh, partnerships with in California are Equity. So the number one is Ronnie Leggett. Okay. So he was the poster child for all of the United States for social equity okay. as, as what the perfect applicant would be. Mm. So I helped him. Like He's a Native American gentleman from Oakland and black also. Okay. So I worked with him with the uh, 
uh, like I donate a lot of time, right? So this is a program for um, the Oakland Food Pantry. You oh, know what a food yes, pantry yes, is? Yes, right? exactly. So in Oakland, he is the director and started the foundation of the Oakland Food Pantry. Okay. Working with like Elaine Brown, a lot of the Ooh. Black Panthers. Okay, like he's a lot of foundation from... The community that I've so you're involved in, in 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 you're you're working with that um, food 100%. that equity. Oh, wow yeah, yeah yeah so one of the programs is is women that got out of this like San Quentin yeah okay would come into Oakland food organization and we wrote a curriculum that would help the women oh, wow. be able to get their kids back. So they had to be able to read labels, cook food, yeah. do simple foundation, understanding how you're not going to kill your baby. Yeah. You know, you've been in the pen for 20 yeah. years and the baby's 21. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm being yeah. funny, but yeah, like true. you have to know these yeah. things. Uh, like, wow. Yeah. Or it, that, that, that's a little extreme. Yeah. No, but no, I do understand. <laughs> when you, they, you come out, you need a life skill. Yeah. Because if yeah, not, you're going to revert to. So that's what Ronnie did. So he brought me in to help him with what he needed to have done so that these women could transition. Okay. So that's where him and I built our relationship. And then he became the number one equity for Oakland, California, which is the first equity program for oh, social beautiful. equity in the world. Beautiful. You know, he's so synonymous with your spirit, you know, of service. <laughs> he's and like doing. a best friend. He's a, he's a family person. Wow. Yeah. Um, since your hands are on so many things, can I pick your brain and ask you what do you enjoy the most people wow i love people i love being able to help people i love that makes me thrive wow you know like um and, and it's not even about monetary yeah it, it could be a hug like when i go to saint vincent yeah I, and i meet a pr the prime minister Hey, uh, you've been hugging everybody. <laughs> I don't think you should be hugging, dude. Right off the bat, they don't like that in the Caribbean. Don't be touching no dudes. You'll fire upon that, my you. And I was like, yo, I'm, I know I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> but, yo, no. So, what do I do? We came from the bar, right? Yeah. To go meet the PM. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> and, and you know what to do, dude? Hugged you back. Yeah. What is he gonna do? Yes. Especially when it's all love. Dude. Yeah. Especially well, when it's hey, all love. Hey, this guy's good. Yeah. And then we're writing laws for the country, working with the United Nations and the World Health Organization to become the drafters of the 2018 Medical Plant-Based Medicine Cannabis Act for uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Mazel tov. <laughs> Mazel tov. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Just like that, though. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And, and yeah. it's about being open, about frequency. Yeah. And manifesting. Okay? What do you want to do? I dreamt about Bob Marley. I dreamt about Caribbean. I wrote art. I wrote in college, uh, you know, different psychological philosophy papers about adults going from childhood to an, an uh, elder mm. what their transition using cannabis was and trying to get an understanding yeah. you know like were they anything credible no no i i, I wonder but it was just like trying like from a young age no to i salute you for being so vested <laughs> in, in that yeah for that search <laughs> it was you know? amazing 
Wow. You know, I, I lost my father to, uh, he was a workaholic in the definition of every term. And he ended up developing an Cheer ulcer. Dad. Yeah. Thank you. Big Papa, shout out, James Papa, Lawrence. Papa. Big shot. And what I know about cannabis now, I wish I knew about it back then because I would have forced him to just either t- eat something, smoke something, and take a breather because it would have de- slowed him down, get him some rest, but it would also develop an appetite where he would have to eat. So, you know, that now where the cannabis knowledge is more readily available, the way you get it is more important. And that's what I'm getting from you. You've enjoyed the entire ride and you're able to see how it works and I mean it's amazing what you've done where do you see the future for DJ Chef Fred education more education more education more philanthropy <clears throat> and uh, more licenses mm. yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah, for sure because it's about the partnerships um, the more licenses and states that I work, the more opportunities I give to other equity partners. Mm-hmm. So Arizona, Nevada, Oklahoma, uh, Massachusetts. So now New Jersey and New York. Here we are. Wow. And what am I doing? Working with equity partners once again. Serving. Sir, yes, sir serving which has been the marquee of this entire podcast as we get ready to close um i always and i i I extend to my guests the magic wand and you have two wishes any two things you want the only caveat is none of the wishes could be for more wishes so you got two wishes your first wish go your first wish Financial equality. Your first wish. Just equality in general. I mean, at first I was going to say financial equality, but I feel that equality between all people would be very good for the world. Equality. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think that would help out a lot right now, you know, because there's a lot of separation between... Uh, of all people there is there really is there is there is there is some of those barriers could be dropped i think it's going to go a long long way for all all the countries that are around um what about i'm waiting for this thing to stop knocking and this guy I like the equality one. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just because the guys up here all laughing. Yeah, and thing. I'm like, yeah, give me a break already. We're That's almost done. That's not very done. equal, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Let's rock in. So, DJ Chef Fred, um, when I end the podcast, I extend to my guests the ability to make two wishes, and I give them magic, and I give them the magic wand. What's your first wish? Everyone, the ability to manifest. Okay, like. For myself, what's really helped me is understanding breathing techniques, mm. understanding humbling things that you're not the 
you're not everything, okay? But what you Powerful. are is the ability to have the uh, what you want, okay? what you need. So if you're able to breathe and get away and just think, where is it that I need to be? And what does that look like? And what is that route that it took for me to get to that point? Okay. To manifest and if you it. Can reverse that engineering. You might. Okay. If you do it a little bit, you might see one of the signs. You know, not that you're gonna see all of them. If you could see one, that could be the one little thing that could change and make your manifest real. And that was something that you thought of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, good luck getting all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get get one or two, man. Wow. And that could be the key to you. So that first wish yeah. is for everybody to be able to manifest and understand the power of manifesting. Manifestation, yeah. And then the other one is family and love. You know, like I'm going through some family changes in my life, and uh, just to be able to keep that in my life and be able to be there for my kids and my family. It makes a big difference on how I'm gonna sleep and feel about what I'm doing. Did I do all this to give up that? Or did I do all this to train them so they can do it? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I can cry about it. Yeah. It, Fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because I can, um, the reason why I can really empathize, especially to that last wish, is I'm experiencing something similar to that. And I've asked myself that many times. Was it worth it? Did I do that to lose this? And, you know, I, it, it's, 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 a, it's a question I'm still answering, you know? So as we get ready to close, DJ Chef Fred. Fred Nesbeth III, I salute you. It's been an honor sitting across from you, hearing the journey. And it's, right now, it just seems like it's the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's only beginning. Every day is the new beginning. Like when I think so about... So if you look at all... You no, know, tomorrow, every day is the new. It's a rebirth every day. Not the jewel. And every day is a rebirth. So if you, if you constantly live in t yesterday... You never go in tomorrow. Go. Go. Get it. Believe And in that's yourself. what you've done. Yeah, every day. That's what you've done. Here I am. I'm, yeah. in, I'm in New York City. I'm in Man or uh, Jersey City right now. Actually, you're in Patterson, New Jersey. That's, oh, yeah. Sorry. You've been moving you. around so much. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, flying <laughs> from the West Coast. This guy's been moving nonstop. So you've been to New York. You've been to Jersey City. But right now, we're wrapping up Escrow Podcast. Here with DJ Chef Fred, here at Patterson, New Jersey, the Art Factory, and I honor your journey with more positive blessings. Mr. Rosenberg, this is my biggest honor since a long while, so thank you for the time and the energy for the biography of myself. And, and it really makes me happy. So thank you for giving me you that ability to Cheers. enjoy it. Cheers. Finish up these Heinies. That's your podcast.